0: Welcome to Blockchain Recorded, the podcast for the tech curious, where we talk about anything and everything related to the exponentially evolving crypto, blockchain, and Web 3.0 space. Our mission is simple, to share knowledge, facilitate discourse, and help evolve education in blockchain fundamentals, decentralization solutions, and relevant use cases for today's digital economy. We at Blockchain Recorded are not registered investment advisors and do not deal with financial or trading token elements, nor offer any licensed financial services. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, while the opinions of all parties involved are their own. I'm your host, Nina Zadar, and now let's talk blockchain. Before I introduce our guest today, I'd like to remind everyone to follow us on X at Recorded Podcast, where we pre-stream each episode on Spaces the day before distribution to all major podcast platforms. For the full platform list, visit our website, blockchainrecorded.com. With us today, we have Kyron Mishkita, or Kai for short, a contributor to Railgun, an on-chain privacy system project, which we will talk more about today. Kai is a prominent figure in the blockchain and crypto space, contributing to cutting-edge privacy and security technologies. He has worked on a cross-chain private DEX and a zero-knowledge voting system. Additionally, he has researched alternative layer one technologies, developing a novel consensus algorithm and SNARK-based Oracle system. Today, Kyron... Kai, excuse me, is a protocol architect, writing solidity smart contracts and designing cryptographic systems for secure and decentralized future. Kai, welcome to Blockchain Recorded.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on.
0: Sure thing. Um, I'm actually very excited to have this conversation. Uh, privacy is a uh, dear topic to myself and uh, looking forward to diving in. But before we do so, so given, given your your bio and your, your background description, your journey seems mainly within the Web3 space. I noticed on the company website, uh, your title is researcher. Um, all of the team is identified as researcher. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how it has brought you to, to RealGun and where you actually are today?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, just on the title. I think titles when when it comes to you know small kind of agile contributor uh, teams um, in the crypto space, mm-hmm. the number of different like areas that crypto touches, titles tend to be a bit meaningless. So it, it doesn't really matter what title you wanna you wanna you wanna stick on on uh, my bio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I've been involved in in crypto for. Probably you know, a number of years now, like initially, it was you know it was a bit too young to really understand what all of this is meant to be. It was just, hey, this is magic internet money, uh, there's cool memes and uh, stuff that's happening. I'll do stuff as well. But in, later on, as you know, I, I kind of grew up a bit and uh, was continue uh, will continue to be involved in crypto. You know I, I kind of started taking it a bit more seriously and you know at the same sort of time, uh, the crypto space also kind of matured and it was less people throwing back and forth like memes and then tipping each other ridiculous amounts of Bitcoin in to, you know like, oh, well, I like that meme, whatever and And more like you know people actually starting to build some serious projects, and so i, I looked at this and I thought, okay well you know i've, I've be, i i started to understand uh what what this is all for, and you know i get it i get it um you know from like an ideological standpoint, but you know i i've I've been in uh in multiple situations where like you know you 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 kind of just well a lot of people nowadays just sort of take privacy for. You know they, they, they don't really think about it, right um, You just assume that you know nothing bad's going to happen to your data but the the number of experiences I've had where it's the opposite's happened right you know right. even when uh, you've got some institutions involved which really should be protecting your data and kind of are chartered to do so um, when when they start to fail and you start seeing you know people's personal lives kind of abused because uh, because of these failings, you know, you, you start to take uh, privacy seriously. Um, and so me looking at crypto through that sort of a lens is, you know, if, if, I, if I see this or if I see the space and, you know, I, I want it to succeed, the current state of affairs where we're just publicly broadcasting all of this information and just hoping, you know, that no one cares enough to look is just a it's not acceptable, right? Yep. Um, if we want crypto to succeed, um, we need to start thinking about privacy. Um, we need to start taking it seriously, and you know, we need better data hygiene practices uh, before any of this stuff can actually, you know, be used for what it's stated purposes.
0: I like that uh, data hygiene practices. Uh, it it cap- encapsulates um, the core of 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 it all just from my understanding in terms of privacy, personally, it makes me angry <laughs> of, of the data and privacy exploitations. But, um, you know, obviously, it's our basic human right. Um, my understanding of it is more philosophical versus mathematical, which is uh, which is obviously where you come in. Um, just, just quickly, before I ask you, you know, a lot of conversations today with respect to privacy are also, I think we've also come to a level where um, we're trying to navigate it with respect to compliance and, uh, and regulators. So, uh, you know, I did, I did a little research and, you know, there's differences, you know, we, we obviously, we have full privacy, which has different implications than versus partial privacy. And then partial has its own, you know, spectrum of, of layers, how, how you go about and, and implement different protocols. How do you currently see the state of privacy within the blockchain space given how it's evolved, and also the regulatory push for transparency. So, okay, obviously we have, not speaking just about DeFi, but just KYCs, and then financial institutions now diving into crypto, and then also for the DeFi space. How how do you see the current state of privacy in these realms?
1: Yeah, um, well, I mean, privacy, I, I guess, I mean, we can start by, you know, talking about what privacy isn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so privacy isn't, you know, like, hiding all things forever, mm-hmm. you know, and, and immutably, like, destroying all information, right? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a very undesired outcome, because in order for people to, like, interact with each other, um, we need to be able to, like, reveal certain things about ourselves, right? Right. Like, every sort of trade or any other kind of human interaction necessarily requires some communication of information, the problem with you know the current state of crypto is all of these blockchains kind of take it and they're they're radically transparent, right? So it's it's not just oh well you know um, you know I, I guess it comes from from like a worry about the traditional financial system where you know everything's kind of opaque and you can't really see what's going on, but we've kind of gone too far in the other other direction, right? So we we need to step back and, and think, all right, well, what's the, what are the aims, right, for, or like, what's the end goal for what we're trying to do here? And then based on that, um, make better choices about what information does get revealed publicly, what information gets revealed between, you know, private parties, and, and what information is for the owner alone, right? And so, you know, to to address, like, one of the one of the things that that crypto is meant to kind of solve, right, this opacity of the the financial system. If you look at DeFi, there's there's the ability for effectively anyone to go in and say, well, I I have some. I don't know. Maybe it's a lending protocol, right? And it says um, it's always meant to be two x over collateralized, right? Mm-hmm. So. I can go in and, like, look at the, the the contract address on Chain, right? And it says, oh, well, there's a million dollars outstanding. Like, all right, well, can I, can I see at least $2 million being held in that contract address, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very simple for me to to verify that compared to, you know, having to dig through various financial disclosure statements and mm-hmm. uh, legalese and, and whatnot in order to maybe get some little glimpse into what's going on under the hood. Uh, going on under the hood elsewhere,
0: <laughs> right?
1: But at the same time, you know that that same level of transparency isn't something that we'd want for end users, right? Like we don't want people to be stalked to, oh, well, you buy this coffee at this coffee shop at this time every day, right? And I can see you're a high net worth individual, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be waiting there with a um, hammer that I bought from the hardware store, you know, down the road. <laughs> I, I I think. When it when it comes to the kind of privacy here, right, like we, we want to make sure that we're preserving this good property where DeFi protocols, right, or financial primitives are easily auditable and um can be done so by anyone. But we also want to make sure that, you know, we're not compromising end user privacy, right? Right. And there's there's a couple you know, there there are also a couple more like nuances around that, you know, um maybe you as an end user don't want to associate with um, certain bad actors, right? You want to show that you're not associating with them. Mm-hmm. You know, the the kind of, like, default reaction there is, oh, well, you know, why don't we just make all of the data public, right? You know, there's this big pushback against applying privacy mm-hmm. to chains because, well, now we can't see any of the stuff. But it's, it's, it's not, like, just because you want a certain outcome, right, doesn't mean you have to, like, take whatever lever that gives you that outcome and push it to the extreme, right? Mm-hmm. You want to push it just far enough, right? So, like, what's the minimum amount of data that you're willing to reveal in order to um, satisfy this condition, right? Right. And and so there's a number of, like, cool cryptography techniques and all that you can do that um, will satisfy this. And there's a number of other things, but, you know, maybe, maybe we end up getting into that uh, later on in the discussion. Absolutely. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, I think it really is about at least from a, from a mechanical perspective, right. Figuring out what is the least amount of data that I can reveal in order to get the outcome that I want.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll definitely get into more of the technicals. Just wanted to sort of paint the, paint the picture in general. And as a, just as a side question, well, actually I'm not sure I'm even sure it's a side question anymore. We sometimes have a side question. Um, AI is obviously gaining more momentum and it's, it's not even a buzzword anymore. I don't think people even realize or grasp its scale of potential, but that's a whole other story. Where do you think AI comes in, in terms of impact and, and privacy for crypto and DeFi? Do you see it? Do you think about it? Do you see it as a concern?
1: Um, I think, I mean, like, like most things, AI is really just an accelerant over what's already happening. Mm. You know, the response to, you know, whenever you bring up the, the question of privacy to people is like, oh well, who would be, you know, interested in looking at me specifically, right? Like I'm not I'm not particularly interesting. But the, the that problem isn't isn't, you know, whether you're interesting or not. It's mm-hmm. um, maybe in the past you could be a little bit more loose with, with that, right? Because there wasn't the ability for this sort of data to be collected on mass. It couldn't be sifted through on mass um it couldn't be you know kind of like you couldn't be micro targeted in an automated fashion right and everyone have this happen to them on mass right and that's this this is just stuff that that happens all the time now because we've got you know technology's kind of advanced to the stage where like you know like why why wouldn't you just automate all of this away and so like AI just again is another accelerant on top of that but that's that's been the trend for a while.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's 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 jump into railgun. Uh, I I saw so you're on your website. Uh you know, I was trying to get like an actual short definition of what railgun is and your website states railgun is on-chain zk privacy for for defi and then for ethereum, arbitrum, nfts, polygon, etc. So before we actually dive into what railgun is, I would be great to clarify the meaning of ZK, which I'm sure that you've done a zillion times, but it's, I think it's important to, to, to clarify it so that we can continue um, the conversation and maybe you know, we can clarify it from your angle and guide us or guide our audience through the already existing use cases and solutions that use ZK tech.
1: Yeah, so um, ZK is, is kind of old-ish like, relatively speaking, mm. um, it's just that it didn't really find.
0: <laughs> yeah, it,
1: it, it didn't really find a uh, use case until you know Zcash came around and applied it to uh, transactions. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's it's a way of taking a certain statement and then showing that it's true or showing that a particular statement is true uh, without revealing any of the details that go into that statement. Right, so. Probably the best example that I've heard, you know, of, of how to explain this would be, you know, imagine you've got like a, a Where's Wally or a Where's Waldo um, textbook, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it might be called in, in your part of the world. And, you know, I, I, I want to prove to you that I know where Wally is, right? But I don't want to ruin the fun for you, right? You want to go off and, and find Wally on your own. so
0: I love the Wally example. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so what, what I could do is I could, I could take like a big... Big piece of card, right? Mm-hmm. Such that it's it's you know much larger than the book, um, and I go and cut a little hole into the card um, that's just about big enough to see Wally through. And I go and and position the book behind this card such that you know it's Wally's like visible through the hole, right? Mm-hmm. And now you can you can go along and and have a look at this this card. You can look through the hole and you see oh well well there's Wally right so clearly I must know where Wally is in order to have positioned the book such that, you know, the that that the hole is on top of Wally, right? Mm-hmm. But because the, the card's hiding the book, you can't really, like, tell which part of the book Wally's in, right? And so now if you want to go off and, and solve that yourself, mm-hmm. right, you know, it, it hasn't really ruined any of the fun for you. And so that's kind of the, like, analog example of, like, a zero-knowledge proof. You know, the Digital one, or the stuff that's used in, in um, you know, cryptocurrencies and, and so on, mm-hmm. uh, tends to be a little bit more moon-mathy, but, um, you know, the basic premise is the same. You know, if I've got, like, a transaction system, right, so Zcash, Railgun, whatever, I'm essentially showing that, you know, this encrypted transaction is valid by whatever the rules of um, the system are, and... You know, I'm not, maybe it's like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not minting coins out of thin air and like I've actually got the private keys that allow me to spend those funds and so on, um, whatever else that, that there uh, there may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can uh, generate this proof over an encrypted transaction and then submit that encrypted transaction to the network. And now the network knows because of the properties of like zero knowledge proofs, that it, even though it can't read the transaction, um, it can accept it as valid. So, you know, the... the First kind of production use case for uh, zero-knowledge proofs would be transaction systems. I think, um, you know, to date, realistically, there's only two kind of real use cases to ZK. The other one is actually has nothing to do with privacy at all. It's um, to do with scaling, uh, because ZK also has this, this property where, because you're not revealing any of the details that go into the statement, you're just showing that the statement is true, mm. right? You can have this really complex backend that you know maybe it's it's processing some super complicated transaction, and you've got like whatever the state of your system was before, or maybe maybe that might be some balances or whatever storage um, for some DApps, and then you've got the state of the system afterwards, and um, you know anyone that wants to go and verify. That whatever like chain this is is correct, doesn't need to go and you know simulate every single transaction themselves and check that the results match. You know the the uh, producer of this chain or uh, blocks or whatever can go off and um, instead generate a a zero knowledge proof that just simply says this block was you know it's valid by whatever the rules of uh, this blockchain network is. And, you know, here's the end result. And uh, people can just verify this one uh, proof rather than every single transaction. Mm-hmm. There's, there's other things that are being worked on. I mean, I guess it's like, you know, self-sovereign identity and, and things like that. But um, I don't think I've really seen any widespread production use of that, um, at least not to the same degree that uh, private transactions and, and scaling get used.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So how does, how does RealGun then work in practice? I listened to an older podcast with with Alan, so your your co researcher, and I was under the impression that Railgun is also its own wallet. But uh, during a re- uh, during a recent speaking engagement, you actually you, you mentioned that Railgun is is clearly not a wallet, but is is a privacy protocol. Maybe before that, if maybe you can just explain the evolutionary sort of advancements of how Railgun evolved. Or maybe I'm maybe I just didn't understand it correctly but I thought at first it was a wallet then it's not a wallet and or just maybe encapsulate it all
1: yeah so railgun is so railgun has always been a privacy protocol. Um, essentially mm-hmm. what it enables is um, the existence of a new address type on Ethereum or um, other EVM chains mm-hmm. So the, like a, a railgun address would start with 0 uh, Zk instead of 0x. So that's how you differentiate the the, the two, but essentially um, you know the the wallet or it enables wallets to you know have this this address type so Railgun itself isn't um, a wallet in the same way that you know you wouldn't say you know whatever the the system or the cryptography in place to allow you know your your standard x addresses to exist um, it's a wallet it's just simply that's the code and that's the cryptography that exists that allow um, those things to to take place, so on top of Railgun, right? So you can have you know wallets that do implement uh, Railgun addresses. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a couple of them at the moment. Um, you know Terminal Wallet, uh, Railway, Token Shielder, um, for example. Mm-hmm. So those are all examples of wallet that wallets that implement the Railgun protocol. And so you know, like in a similar way to how you'd like access Ethereum through MetaMask, right? So MetaMask is your wallet like railway or terminal wallet would be uh, the way that you'd access your your balance in um, your zero ZK address
0: okay okay so you actually did explain a little bit more in practice um, in terms of how about the address how is railgun then different from other privacy protocols that you're aware of yeah
1: well I, th- I think railgun's unique in um, in the sense that it's it's actually like it's a it's a private address protocol right probably the first thing that people would want to compare it to would be uh mixes right so um what mixes what mixes do is you know you take um like a bunch of funds um you put them in you know some like you effectively put them in a a jar together you shake it up and then people grab their funds at the end of it right Mm -hmm. and you've just got this perpetual jar shaking going on and you know but essentially at the end of it right once you've gotten your funds out you kind of just Throw away, um, whatever the data is um, at the that that went into it. Right. The the difference uh, between that and a uh, private address system is um, you still have a a like a regular address, right? With like a transaction history, that it can go and interact with DeFi protocols. It can do whatever whatever you do with like a regular address, right? The only difference there is that instead of publishing your transaction history and, and your balances and everything publicly by default you know it's only visible to the wallet owner and you know if that wallet owner decides to go and, and share that that uh, those details later on that's up to them it's just not something that's radically public for all the uh, all the world to see mm-hmm. you know by by default
0: mm-hmm so you guys are on. Well, Rareland is on supports Ethereum, Arbitrum, Polygon, right? Chains. Is are, are there any other ones that I'm that I'm missing?
1: Uh, so it's Ethereum, Polygon, uh, BSC, and Arbitrum.
0: All right, binance chain. How do you go about selecting the chains to support or to incorporate? Yeah. Well, I mean.
1: Like Railgun itself is uh, pretty chain neutral, mm-hmm. you know. I don't think any of the contributors want to be, you know, picking any any uh, winners or losers. It's just, hey, where's where's the usage, right? So at, at the at the point uh, or at the time of deployment for those various, you know, uh, chains that that is currently on, you know, there was reasonable amount of uh, usage there, and so you know, you had the the vote go to uh, the relevant. Uh, railgun, you know, DAO contracts and yeah, you know, vote passed and so you've got a railgun deployment on those various chains. Mm-hmm. There haven't been um any like recent railgun like new deployments. The largest reason behind that is, you know, there's there's a number of like minimum requirements for each chain to support before like railgun can be deployed on those chains. Mostly that's relevant to kind of roll-ups mm-hmm. and this there's, there's also kind of the the fragmentation of uh, governance that that also needs to be looked at so I guess that is a, a point of research for a couple of contributors but um, there's there's obviously been uh, more pressing things to to look into for you know everyone that's that's contributing at the moment and you know maybe those priorities for some people might end up uh, rearranging or we end up having uh, new contributors start looking at at solving that uh, fragmentation problem again, and we start seeing deployments on other chains. But uh, up until then, it's just you know the where where Elgin's currently deployed is is where usage was at the time, and yeah, we'll, we'll see hopefully see um, new chains being brought into fold again soon.
0: Okay, great. So. I'm just thinking about the addresses, the the example that you just talked about. So, in essence, um, I heard you talking about that it's it's sort of a, a shielding, right? Can you maybe talk a little bit more about that? So, I'm sort of a layperson in this, looking at it. So, you you know, you shield these addresses, and then I would assume, just in terms of a, a regulatory, l- let me let me go it this way. How do you navigate with I don't know, there's, there's probably conventional privacy and security laws across different, I don't know, geographic regions and, or, or jurisdictions, if, if you may call it. And so in essence, you're, you're kind of a privacy enabler. I would think that you could quickly get on the radar screen for regulators and authorities. Is this, um, is this a conversation that you have with regulators and have to work in sync to do this? Or, or I'm just wondering how this works in practice.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I do have to disclaimer this. I mean, I'm not a um, lawyer or anything. I am just like tech. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm
0: not, of no, course. But, um, of, of course. I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm just thinking, you know, like you said, if you're, if you're doing full privacy, you also don't want to do that. And then, you know, automatically um, you want to, you want to disclose enough information, but I'm just thinking, you know, the the more, the more secretive or the more you shield something, the more, regulators and and authorities get on your case? This is all just, you know, conversation. (laughs) No no one's a lawyer, no one's anything.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it it comes down to, you know, I think, in in effectively every single other, like, field, we we, we don't see, we, we don't see the outcome ever being that, like, everything should be radically public, right? I mean, that's, that's never the outcome. It's always, um, you know, what is the, what is the um, end goal that, that we want? And then what is the, like, what's the level of data that needs to be disclosed in order to reach that goal, right? Mm -hmm. And, And that's, that's, that goes both ways right so it's like um what data don't we want to disclose um and to who and like what data do we want to disclose right mm-hmm. when it comes to you know railcon there's a there is a a system that's currently being being put through its paces um over the last i don't know february now so two months-ish um or so called ppoi and essentially you know what that does is it allows people to go and show that, you know, well, like whatever I've been, you know, my, my details aren't publicly available on the blockchain um, for anyone to look at. But I do want to go and show that, you know, I'm not associated with um, some particular set of factors, right? Mm-hmm. And so like using, you know, using the fact that old data, um, even though it's encrypted, is still actually, you know, cryptographically bound um, on chain. You can go and generate, you know, going back to the 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 ZK thing, right? You can you can prove the truth of a particular statement without revealing any of the details that go into that statement. So you can prove that you're not associated with any, with, you know, certain wallets or um, transactions without showing that, or without, you know, publicly revealing all of your transaction details, right? And then, you know, if you need to go on and show any further details, you can, um, I think most like privacy systems will have the ability to generate a view key. Um, so you can hand that off to whoever you may need to. But yeah, I, th- I think, you know, finding ways to, uh, like with PPOI, right, you know, minimizing the amount of data that you um, publicly reveal with while still being able to mm-hmm. hit the, the end goal that you're trying to do is it's kind of the way forward. Yeah, that seems to be the 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 way that you know anywhere that things have been done sanely and and have been operating well for a while. That that seems to be the way that uh, that people or that you know the, the the industry moves, and and I don't see why that shouldn't be the way that uh, um, crypto moves as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Just just for our audience' sake, um, PPOIS means private proofs of innocence right yeah it's a interesting well very valid and pragmatic concept vitalik talks about it right i don't know i I didn't know much about it i I was trying to to research as much as possible so any any light that you shed on it um (laughs) this conversation is is very helpful and and educational so in terms of private proofs of innocence so this means that you maybe a, a stupid question but so you railgun does incorporate these this private proof of innocence Um, So, so private proofs,
1: instance is essentially just like another protocol that allows you to take your data that's on chain, right, shielded, and make a particular statement about it. Mm -hmm. And it is a little bit interesting, you know, with everything being like self-custodial, you know, you can't, the, the, the end user, right, like you've, you've got your, I think everyone's heard um, the phrase, you know, your keys, your coins, right? Or not your keys, not your coins. So you know, you've got your you've got your your twelve words, right? And that's um, that's kind of your key to accessing your your coins. You hold your coins yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, no one else can can take them from you, and and so on. But it's essentially the the way that all of these tools work just boils down to giving the user the ability to make statements about. Uh, what their data is in the least, like, or in the most privacy-preserving way, right? Um, so the least invasive way. And, you know, I, I, I again, it, it just comes down to, you know, people are going to have different requirements for, like, how they need to do these things, mm-hmm. uh, depending on, you know, who else they're interacting with. Maybe they're interacting with a certain, you know, financial institution or... They're in a particular jurisdiction, um, whatever the, the, the case may be. But it's it's how do you give people uh, the tools to be able to go and, and, and make, you know, the, the statements that they need to in the best way possible for them.
0: Does this also address the case for bad actors and malevolent, like sort of just bad actor cases? Or does this not have anything to do with that? So like, you know, market manipulation, hacking, et cetera. Is, is this what um, a way to to diminish that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the like type of, of statements that um, PPOI enables is effectively or well, directly counters the, the kind of bad actors um, that you mm-hmm. described, right? So essentially, um, you know, if you're just a regular user, um, you want to be able to, to make these statements and, you know, or by essentially, you know, building up this, um, you know, trove of, of, uh, disassociations, you can effectively, um, split out a particular bad actor from, um, a privacy set.
0: Mm-hmm. So who, who all uses the railgun protocol? You've got, you've got DAP, you've got DAP developers, if I'm not mistaken, then you have your, you provide wallet SDK. Um, so who all uses, who's, who's like a user?
1: Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the protocol directly, um, there's a couple of different actors in, in the system. Mm-hmm. So you've got the the smart contracts, which that's like the, the core of the protocol, right? So that mm-hmm. um, those just live on Ethereum nodes and, and run in the same way that any other smart contract would. Then um, there's the, uh, there's like wallets. So that's the way that you, You know, it it makes it convenient to um, interact with smart contracts. I mean, obviously, if you have the required technical skills, you can always go to the contracts directly, but not everyone does. Um, So so wallets uh, make it convenient to interact with smart contracts. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's just people doing stuff, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I couldn't tell you everything that people are doing with Railgun. But from from and you know you probably wouldn't want me to, to um, publicly reveal all that you know being a <laughs> being a privacy protocol and all. But sure, you know from the conversations that I've had and you know being careful not to not to dox anyone. Sure, sure. People have you know used it for payroll for example right you know you want to be able to Mm -hmm. pay your employees but you don't want um everyone to you know like be able to stalk and be like oh well that guy at your company makes this amount and you know this is where um he spends whatever she makes that amount and she spends it on this other thing right Right. (laughs) so so you know payrolls a, a pretty big um use case um there's just people that you know Trade random shit coins and don't want the market to know what they're buying and selling, right? Mm. Yeah, there's a couple of people that are using it to yield farm, yeah, um, while making sure that you know the exact sizes of the positions aren't um, known anywhere, right? So there's there's a number of different use cases going on.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about so um, Railgun? We, we talked about the that it's on um, on chain for. Uh, for the different blockchains, but then you also have uh, NFTs. So how does that, how does that work in in practice?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the NFTs themselves, you know, you can effectively, like again, Railgun just being um, a new address type can, can store whatever, whatever tokens need to be stored. Right. So that, that's uh, ERC 20s, ERC 721s, 1155s um, at the moment. Mm -hmm. So the NFT, like the, the, Token representation can be held in a Railgun contract or in a in, in, in a Relgan address, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that like the NFT like data itself has to be held on chain, right? You know, most of the time it's just a it's a link to some website, you know, where the actual images are stored.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, sometimes it's it's um, IPFS, but. You know the the on-chain uh, representation, which is the little like ERC-721, mm-hmm. that that can be held in um, a Railgun address, no problems.
0: Okay, just taking a little shift here. Can you talk about Railgun's monetization model? I don't know if you're if you're allowed to say that, but like basically, how do you how do you guys earn money? Like, what's your what's your business model?
1: Um, so, Railgun has been quite. Explicitly a DAO from day one, mm-hmm. and kind of like radically so to the point that you know, a lot of people have, have been a little bit confused because you know you're used to hearing, oh, well, we're a DAO, but then you know, like, ah, oh, we're centralized until we we hit certain milestones or whatever. So, I think surprisingly, the the largest number of challenges that we faced with being a DAO from day one. Has just been the the fact that well I've just been related to the fact that everyone assumes that you're lying about it. <laughs> uh, if that makes sense, you know <laughs> really? they just oh well yeah yeah everyone's oh saying God. that we're a dao right everyone's saying that you're a dao but like no one's really a dao are they but you know in in in, in this case like we actually are yeah so uh, because of that you know the all of the the decisions that I made in Railgun you know I I'd, I'd like to think think of myself as a as a fairly prominent. Uh, contributor. You know I, I've written a fair amount of code and yes. um, you know, done various things. But you know i I have no ability to um, push through any decision, right? Like doesn't matter how much I want to. it's it's just you know I have the capability to do. And you know you can ask any other contributor and they'll they'll give you the same um, story, right? so the the final like you know decision making power is through, like, a, a Railgun, like, DAO governance vote. And the, the the way that votes are actually carried out is you're not voting on, like, you know, you, you have a lot of kind of, like, temperature-check stuff, like, oh, well, we'll put up some write-up and then, you know, we'll vote on whether that write-up is good. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to, like, some group of people behind the scenes to actually carry out what's written in that proposal. Um, so in in Railgun, there's, there's none of that. You're actually voting on what the actions that the governance contract will take on-chain um, are. So, you know, maybe, like, that's a, I don't know what it could be, like, deploying, like, a new contract, right? You know, you, you'd actually have the, the contract put up into the governance system, right? Or the, the code, for, or the bytecode, right, for the contract, mm-hmm. get put on-chain, and then you'd put up this this governance proposal that says, you know, activate this contract, and you'll have the actual, you know, calls to, you know, like, enable this this contract uh, baked into the governance proposal itself, right? And so when you're voting on a governance proposal in Railgun, you're not voting on some pretty document, right? Like, you're voting on what the actual, the, the literal actions that happen on Chain are. And, you know, that, that's kind of a, a double-edged sword. It means that anytime that, like, any upgrades want to go through, there's, like, it, as, as much as, as, you know, I'd like to be able to just, um, for efficiency's sake, like, put whatever through. And, and you know, like, I totally trust myself not to, not to, you know, screw everyone else using Railgun, but, like, that's just not the case. And, yeah, I, I think we've been lucky in, in the sense that at least the supply of tokens that are staked have been constantly uh, relatively high, and you know participation in governance has also been um, relatively high and so there's there hasn't really been any any um, kind of like voter apathy uh, problems, but maybe there haven't been but that I, I think that is actually a, re- a very real concern um down the line like what yeah. what happens when people just stop caring and not voting on proposals like there is no admin key like there is no way to make um, decisions, so it's a it's a double-edged sword. But I think given that Railgun's kind of positioned as or Railgun is just like an on-chain protocol, and it's meant to benefit and extend um, the Ethereum or just whatever EVM system, not being like yeah, not being owned by anyone is sort of a, but it has to be a DAO. necessity. <laughs> yeah, and it, it actually it has to be an actual dao. Right. There's no, you know, smoke and mirror mm-hmm. fake decentralization and we just deal with all of the inconvenience that comes along with that.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's um that's a whole other um, story right with 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 daos and and some of the shortcomings that DAOs can face. I think the the key, the important factor is that it's set up in the right way. You have to have your you have to have your governance in place, your your tokenomics in place. Uh, you know, it has to be clear cut. And you're right, the apathy factor is another is another thing. But, I mean, that that's also an evolution process, uh, right? So. DAOs have evolved as well and they will keep evolving but yeah so so it's a good thing that you're a DAO. yeah <laughs> we've established that <laughs> um how many how many people are on your on your team um, in, in railgun I mean they're again
1: being a DAO, there isn't really a hard and fast team um
0: right or or the actors that are that are voting
1: oh I could not tell you that um I have no idea yeah there's some amount of enemy uh, profile pitches and whatnot that are um, doing those things. So
0: I'm, j- I'm just curious. So are you, um, well, is uh, Railgun's a DAO? So, but are you guys audited?
1: Yeah. So, um, and by whom we've, we've had um, multiple audits. So yeah, before anything goes up to uh government's vote to be deployed, it, like it goes through, you know, a couple of rounds of auditing and how that looks like, uh, depends on on the nature of the contracts mm-hmm. yeah if you if you go to you know the the wellgun.org like info site there's um, there should be uh, some links to some of the audits there's been um, you know some like private review as well so not everything like not every code audit uh, ends up in like a nice little PDF report at the end oftentimes it actually doesn't because you know what you want is a lot of, you know, behind the scenes reviews, make sure that like when you're ready to get the code into a final state, it's very, very like watertight. And that requires constant reviews through the development process. And then, you know, before, before things go up to audit, there'll usually be an audit from, well, Zocchio have been the most prominent um, auditing firm, but we've had audits from Haken and ABDK, um, and a few other places as well, and then that would that will produce a uh, report as well. So people that are looking at um, the governance proposal can also refer to the audit to make sure that what they're voting on is secure.
0: Perfect. Th- th- yeah. Thanks for answering that. Um, I also see a lot of prominent partner names. Can you can you shed a little light on your on your partner ecosystem?
1: Yeah, I should probably look at um, who's made it to the uh, partner list again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't spend very much time on um on the Railgun.org site. You don't, you yeah. No, I I, I prefer to. Fair enough. Prefer to just uh, busy myself with with uh, cryptography.
0: We can include the, the source for in the show notes, but we're just curious if you agreed. I mean, it, obviously, yeah, you do deal with the cryptography, but just just curious if if you yeah. if you have any any.
1: Yeah. So. So just just looking through them, I mean, I guess Arbitrum Polygon mm-hmm. places where there exists Railgun deployments. There's a Waku logo in there, so Waku is a private networking layer okay. for DApps. Um, so I know like uh, things like RPC communications and you know things like that generally. Um even when you have a protocol that's entirely on chain, right? Like wallets still need to communicate with. Um, you know, like Ethereum nodes and, and things like this mm-hmm. over the internet, right? You know, you don't magically have a blockchain that lives in your house that you can, like, shove things into. Like, you have to send that de- that that data over the internet to um, nodes. So, yeah, you know, Waku is a private networking library that I'll, I'll, well, I think all of the um, Railgun wallets use to communicate. Yeah, we got beefy. Okay, beefy. I know you can you can farm privately on on beefy using railgun, so oh, that'll be why they're there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I think they're mostly just uh, places and, and ways that you can use uh, railgun
0: mm-hmm. So with everything that that you've talked about, what lies ahead for you guys? like what's what's in store for railguns short term, so I guess short term meaning more like 2024 and even the long term roadmap? I mean, are you guys mostly focusing sort of within the DeFi space, or do you see uh, yourself going beyond um, the scope?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think like the 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 core mandate for uh, the Realgam DAO is, you know, it's effectively just. A, it's a private address format for uh, Ethereum. So anything that you could do with a regular 0x address, you should be able to do with a, a 0zk address. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the moment, that's mostly DeFi, um, but maybe we start to see some other use cases be enabled on Ethereum. And uh, you should be able to do that through, um, you know, engage in those uh, activities, whatever they may be, through Railgun as well. Mm-hmm. I think short-term, you know, there's there's a couple of... Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest friction point for people using Railgun uh, right now is gas cost, right? Mm. Like, I- Ethereum's not a cheap network, and Railgun does a fair bit of computation um, on-chain. And so, you know, gas fees tend to be proportional to that. Um, so, mm. you know, being able to bring... Gas costs down through things like probably some some rearchitecting of uh, the way that cross contract uh, calls are done. Let's see things like.
0: Sorry, just just j- sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. In terms of the gas problem, yep. there's kind of a, like a mini trend with chains coming up with their like gasless solutions. Like I just 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 last week, um, you know, I, I hosted um, a protocol that is supposed to be like the first fee-less and, and tokenless public blockchain. How does that, what do you, what do you think about that? Or do you I mean, do you have any thoughts on that in terms of where you might fit in, in terms of the gas, the gas issue? I mean, it seems like people are working on that and trying to, trying to get, you know, trying to get rid of that. So it's because it's all about adoption, right? So yeah. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, like Railgun Relcon- being an entirely on chain system is kind of mm-hmm. uh, does kind of have to like conform to the way that uh, the the base chain um, does things mm-hmm. um, and and so like you know any any sort of improvement to ethereum or any of the other like evM chains that that railgun exists on is going to benefit uh, railgun as well but I, I think essentially like I think most of the like gasless stuff comes down to um, effectively people sponsoring transactions, right um, So mm. you know maybe there, there ends up being some cool application that you can use on Railgun and then those transactions could be sponsored by whoever built that application. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But I think like ultimately there's still like a computational cost that needs to be borne by the network, right So you're taking up block space. and so you know on on the chain side, Increasing the the chain capacity and um, making like node software more um, efficient and so on like that's that's things that can be worked on, on the chain side and then on the railgun side it's about how do you take all of the computation that needs to be done and make it as efficient as possible so that you're taking the least amount of block space or you require the least amount of block space to function. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a problem that can be um, tackled on on both sides.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So you, you talked about the friction points um, and sort of what to work on and overcome. What would you say, and I'm sure everybody asks you this, um, what would you say has been your biggest challenge or have you had any challenges in your experience at... With railgun, apart from the DAOs. <laughs> just no pun intended, just kidding.
1: Um Yeah, I, I think I okay, this might sound a little bit mean, but
0: No, it's okay. <laughs> it's
1: honest. Either the the like willful misunderstanding or just how primed like the way things are done in the space by, you know, a, a lot of people. Like people always we we've gotta be very used to this kind of uh double speak, right? So we say we're decentralized and, you know, whatever these ideals might be, and then, you know, it's just like, Oh well, don't don't worry about it. like that's well, we'll if you actually dig dig on um uh, into it the, like you look under the hood and it's like it's a mess, and then everyone's just like, "Oh well, we'll get there eventually." It's an evolving thing, and it's still early. <laughs> and you know, while while in a lot of cases that can be true, um, I think you know, there's there's legitimate mm-hmm. that is a legitimate argument in 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 some cases. Mm-hmm. That argument also ends up getting used by um, people that actually have no intention of actually following through on ideals, and you know, we're just. Espousing certain viewpoints in order to um, you know get attention, get a following, whatever. And when you come into crypto, and you know you're actually trying to build things that you know meet what you're what you're actually saying, right? Like you actually try to do the thing that that everyone's talking about.
0: Yeah, and abiding by the like the core fundamentals of it all, right? Yeah, I I think
1: the like biggest challenge has just been everyone's so used to everyone like everyone's so used to all these projects going out and saying oh we we are you know a certain way and then the reality is something else that Mm -hmm. like you end up having to effectively work extra hard to be like oh no like we're actually doing it this way and you know people just don't understand why you can't they are like oh well you know yeah, you're you're a DAO. That's all good, but like, why can't you just like make this this thing happen, right? And you're like, no, like we are we actually are a DAO. There isn't an admin key that people can use to do that, right? Or like, oh no, we're actually a DAO. There isn't. We can't just like sign on behalf, like have someone you know sign a mm-hmm. contract on behalf of like the protocol. Like all of these like points of friction that you know you'd think people don't have to deal with because of like what they're saying they do. Um, but actually, you know, it, it ends up, it ends up being a challenge for you because no one else is, is willing to, to walk the walk.
0: I I was just going to say that, like walk the walk and talk the talk. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a developer. I'm not a, I'm not a software architect and I, I see things from a different perspective and You know, have so so many talk to so many projects here, and and we we try to sort of select ones that you know we think are actually going to have like a use case impact. But yeah, there's a lot of decentralization and you know, sacrificing decentralization to achieve this and that and sometimes not even like you said, not going with the core fundamentals, right? Achieving things just to get ahead and for that like and <laughs> but that's a whole other philosophical conversation I could talk I could talk for hours <laughs> about. It's um yeah, and then there's a the component of, of of just marketing it all out. So but nonetheless, I mean I mean, I commend you for that. It's, it's an honest answer. And I would just, you know, say, keep doing what you're doing. I think we, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm a positive person. And then I always think, or, or an honest, you know, person, if you just feel like honesty is the best policy. And if you're, you stay true to yourself and you, you, you do what you think you need to be doing, even though everyone's sort of brushing things under the rug, I think that's going to get you further in the end. I don't know if it's idealistic in this time of, of, of the world, but, um, I don't know it's it's gotten me (laughs) in the end if you stick true to yourself it's it's I think it's the best thing well Uh, yeah sorry go ahead
1: I, I think my my like personal position on on that has has effectively just ended up being like I don't want to be in a world where we can't actually you know pull this off and yeah so maybe like I'm doomed to be constantly like an over-optimist on all of this and a little bit naive, but um, at the same time, like I don't like the alternative. yeah. And so I'll constantly be uh, yeah. be doing what I do. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's the right mindset to have. That is a, that is a major challenge. Well, w- with that in mind, it's good to be positive. How do you see the crypto privacy ecosystem evolve? Or do you, do you, do you think of that, like where things are going? Obviously, otherwise you wouldn't be doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I I think I, I think the the problem with um, the privacy ecosystem um, today to date has been we haven't and I, I yeah, we haven't had a proper discussion on actually like on, on all of the actual nuances of of um, how privacy works, right? And I think that's just been out of necessity, we, like till till probably now as well, just because of, you know, the the way that certain actors have have behaved, right? So you've got, like, regulators, you've got, you know, malicious entities and, and so on. And so the, the discussion around privacy has always just been framed as this sort of, like, binary, right? Yeah. And I, I think in order for uh, the privacy space to really move forward, we need to have that more nuanced and more, Kind of like realistic um, discussion on on privacy, right? It's like it's not not a oh either like you should be able to have it or you shouldn't be able to have it, and it's absolute or whatever um, the case may be. Um, I think yeah. And until until that until we're ready to have the discussion, I don't think we move forward in the crypto privacy space and wider. I don't think crypto space as a whole moves forward because I think like the privacy question is a it's just a a roadblock for like any of the stuff to work
0: yeah it's a big one who how would you see how would you like just concretely how would you like to see this happen and who for example like what what would be your best ideal like you're saying we need to have this conversation like how do you envision that what would you like to see
1: that that is a tough one right um because you're like well like
0: should vitalik be there
1: (laughs) dude yeah 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 did are we like i mean it can't be just one it's it's, you know i guess like the answer to that question is just like how do we find a good good enough cross-section of people that like accurately represent the different interests in and like not in not even just in the current crypto space but like the interests of all of the potential future users of crypto and all of the people that could mm-hmm. uh, potentially benefit from this technology being um, more widely adopted. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Vitalik, and and I think, given his track record, it's probably um, probably a, a good person having the conversation. Um, and I, I think, mm-hmm. given the the current state of the world and you know what the actions of of different entities, um, I think. Like regulators kind of have to be at the table as well.
0: An obvious one,
1: <laughs> and you know, I I think, but yeah, yeah, I think that the largest level of participation needs to be from, like, yeah, can we identify who stands to benefit the most from crypto going going mainstream, right, um, being widely used, and like, what are what are those people's needs? Um, I don't know how we can bring them into the conversation, but we, we need to. Uh,
0: no, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, what, you know, and, I mean, you can kind of anticipate then once you have the regulators and once you, I mean, it's, it's absolutely has to be, everyone has to be just putting everything out on the table. Then it's just a matter of, well, how it's going to, how is it going to roll from there? You know, the regulators are going to want, you know, you know, fuller, as much as transparency as possible and then, you know, give or take, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the ball needs to get rolling and, um, whether or not that means, I don't know, has, has there been like a, a privacy conference? I'm, I mean, is this a thing? Are, are you ever, ever involved? I mean, I know there's like, you know, different DevCons and, and conferences and conference that. But like, is there actually like a conference where you, all you talk about is privacy? Um,
1: like, I don't think there has been one up until like very early. So I, I, last year um, I, I attended... Two conferences that were particularly high quality in in the privacy space. So I went to Eth Dam and uh, later on to uh, Eth Rome. So mm. Eth Dam, I think I I, I got to um, give a little bit of a shout out to uh, Eleanor Blanc, mm-hmm. it's the founder um, of of Crypto Canal. But specifically, um, I think that that conference came out of. I mean, it's it's uh, Amsterdam based um, uh, from the name. But it, it came out of the aftermath of uh, the the tornado cash mm-hmm. you know a- arrests and so you know it, that was a, a particularly valuable conference in, in bringing a lot of the mm. more active players in in the privacy space together and uh, eth Rome was a, a good you kind know, of hackathon on on just general privacy related tech um i don't think next year's one for ethereum is going to be mm. privacy focused but you know last year's was good um and i think yeah the, the privacy focused events tend to be fairly small um unfortunately
0: i was just going to ask that is that like is that a big thing or is it yeah that's unfortunate but nonetheless you're right i commend you i think um it it would be um it would be very helpful to well actually crucial to do that because i don't think people realize how important it is. Well, Kai, thanks so much. Uh, I think we've we, we've talked a great deal. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Is is there anything that you that I maybe have not asked that you would want to um, share with us still?
1: Uh, no, I think I think we've we've um, covered a good cross section
0: of things. Yeah, great. Um, I agree. And well, as we wrap this up, uh, so Kai, what is the best way to follow your work? or perhaps uh, contact or, or, or participate?
1: Yeah. Um, so I am M-E-S-Q-U-K-A, uh, most places, but probably Twitter, or now X, um, is where I'm most active. And yeah, weirdly, yeah, if you follow in, uh, want to follow Railgun, railgun.org uh, is the website. There's um, at railgun underscore project on Twitter slash X as well. Yeah, I think that's that's about it for for
0: the context. So
1: yeah, social media presence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which, yeah, we have kind of ironic given that we're talking about privacy, but yeah, thank you. We'll definitely include all the information in the show notes. Again, thanks so much uh, for taking the time to talk with me today. I personally learned a lot uh, by talking with you and, and researching Railgun and revisiting ZK and looking into uh, private POIs, etc. And, you know, like we said, building solutions for privacy are inherently important and more people need to uh, need to take part and um, not sure people even realize how important it is. So all the best to you and uh, and the Dow. And uh, I think you guys are doing valuable work. So so keep it up. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks again to our guests, and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks also to the Bariam Music team for providing their music. You can check them out on bariammusic.com. The episode supporting information is on our website, blockchainrecorded.com. Our podcast is available on Google, Apple, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as on YouTube, Spotify, and Radio Public. You can follow us on Twitter at Recorded Podcast and YouTube, where we are super grateful for your support. Stay tuned for our next episode.